You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. And welcome to another episode of the Film Feast Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, and this week we're doing something that's a little different. Um, I am joined by the host of the Cobwebs Podcast and one of my best friends talk movies with, uh, Daniel Epler, to talk about some stuff we've seen lately. Uh, so, Daniel, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me back already. <laughs> I know this is <laughs> for us. This is confusing, everybody, because we are recording a Unscottable episode on Days of Thunder. Uh, and we are doing this little bonus episode, um, kind of just on stuff we've seen lately. And uh, so you'll hear Daniel in, in back-to-back weeks is what I'm planning. <laughs> so uh, I hope everyone likes hearing us talk about movies. I think they do. So <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. Hope so. We you never know. So, yeah, thank you for doing this because uh, the week that I'm going to drop this, uh, just scheduling and life stuff, I was like, I'm going to be very busy. So let's just record a little bonus episode of some stuff we've seen lately and talk about that. So um yeah thank you again for doing this kind of on the on the fly here <laughs> oh no problem dude no problem happy to be here okay cool cool um so yeah th- we'll just kind of get into that stuff i will let you go first you're the guest um what what would you want to talk about first what movie have you seen lately that has piqued your interest <laughs> okay i think the first thing i i, I would love to talk about is a, a little movie that just recently hit theaters called free guy Starring Ryan Reynolds. And uh, this is a movie that I've been seeing trailers for for so long, like I think well over a year because it got postponed due to the pandemic. But just every time I went to the theater, they played a trailer for Free Guy and I was really, really sick of it. Um, But then the movie comes out and I started just hearing really, really good things that it's like one of the best summer blockbusters of the year. And it is a summer blockbuster that's not based on any kind of existing IP. So it's a totally original movie. And that kind of piques my interest and makes me want to support it. So uh, my wife and I went to go see it and we just had the best time. Like, I really, really love this movie. And it kind of broke past all of my cynicism that might make me not want to like it because, like, I'm not a video game person at all. Um, and I generally don't tend to like movies based on video games or about video games. Like, I really don't like ready player one uh and 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 i feel like ready player one it's like it's made by a, a much older man steven spielberg mm-hmm. who doesn't it feels like he doesn't really understand video games or video game culture and i don't really either but i could just kind of feel the inauthenticity but watching this movie it it feels like it's made by younger people who really get it uh at least it felt that way to me and it's it's also inside the video game because it mostly takes place inside of a video game is all live action so i don't have to deal with the weird uncanny valley animation which is nice (laughs) Uh but it's just a really fun sweet movie ryan reynolds is he's great in it and i'm not always the biggest fan of him because i feel like sometimes he winks at the camera a little too much and won't just kind of exist in the reality of a movie but 
it's kind of the best of both worlds in this movie because he is like his Ryan Reynolds persona, but he's sort of using it for genuine sweetness and not for snarky sarcasticness, which I, I really enjoy. And it's actually kind of a shockingly romantic movie, which I didn't expect as well. And uh, it's just really fun. Good action scenes. Very sweet and and funny. I, I just man, it kind of is like a perfect summer blockbuster. It's one that hasn't disappointed me this year. And I just really dug it a lot. Wow. Everything you just said to me is, is shocking. <laughs> I think I said this to you on Twitter. I'm like, I am shocked to hear that you were positive about Because, I mean, we had joked about it. Everyone joked about, like, we're all sick and tired of seeing the Free Guy trailer. Yeah. Um, it was, like, prevalent forever. Like, it felt like it just never went away. Um, it didn't look good to me at all. Like, I was like, this looks really bad. Um, and to hear that it has, like, this genuine, like, heartfelt sweetness is very surprising to me. And uh, there's everything is surprising. It just doesn't seem like it'd be very good. I don't know. It just I'm, I'm shocked to hear these these positive things. And I trust your opinion. So I really want to see it now, actually, if I had no interest before. Yeah, like, there are parts in the trailer that had me rolling my eyes and just being like, well, that's so dumb. And then I see that exact part in the movie in context it, with everything else in the movie in mind. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, kind of emotional and, like, maybe a little bit profound, dare I say? So it's it's very surprising. Like, there, okay, example. Uh, there's a part in the trailer where um, Ryan Reynolds is talking to his best friend. And, and he's like, oh, I just found out that nothing is real and I'm not real because he finds out he's a video game character. And his friend goes, hey, I'm sitting here helping my friend through a problem. What could be more real than that? And in the trailer, I'm like rolling my eyes like, well, whatever, <laughs> that's so lame. But in full context of that scene, it's like this really beautiful scene between two good friends. And I was really shocked how well they make that kind of dumb line work. Wow. Wow. This is the rare case, I feel like, where the movie is better than the trailer. I feel Way like usually, better, yeah. yeah, that's usually goes the opposite. I yeah, I, I want to see it now. I'm I'm very curious. Um, a lot of people said positive things. So um, and also I won't dump on Pre Ready Player One too much, but I really, really don't like that movie. So that's I, that's what I was worried it was. I was like, oh, this is like Ready Player One kind of. And like that movie is just like full of references. I feel like Spielberg doesn't even know what he's referencing like he's just the wrong guy for that movie i did it's yeah i mean it's weird to say he's the wrong guy to write the movie but that movie particularly is like it's just so yeah i got a lot of problems with that movie but anyway but yeah i'm glad free guy does not sound like another ready player one that's nice so it's good, ready good. player one is is one of the big fights between me and our friend chris hurtado who loves that movie oh no i feel bad <laughs> for years uh, he uh for years, he he claimed that he hated Jurassic Park and he would say Ready Player One is better than Jurassic Park. And I would be so <laughs> mad at him for that. And then he rewatched Jurassic Park recently and was like, oh, wait, this is great. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. I, the thing I love about Chris is and I don't know him in real life. You know, him in real life. I don't know when honestly, I don't know when he's saying stuff, if it's true. <laughs> Or if he's lying. And I, it's kind of, it's very fascinating where he says stuff. And I'm like, is he really mean this opinion or is he kidding around? I can never <laughs> tell. <laughs> it's, it's, it can be tough to tell sometimes for okay. sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. He should get into acting. He's good. I, I can never tell what's real and what's fake. Um, he definitely has a persona on his podcast for sure. Much more so than you or I do, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> No, I've noticed uh, the the canceled thing. I was like, Chris, you're not getting canceled. Come on. But I love that he's he's very self-deprecating, which I get. I relate to the self-deprecating. But um, no, I love it. He's very entertaining. But I just I can never tell. That's why I'm just like I take everything with a grain of salt. But I'm just like, well, it's fine. It's it makes me laugh. So, <laughs> um, But uh, OK. All right. Free guy is 
good, apparently, everybody. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> like, go see that. Um, okay, I have one that uh, just came out on HBO Max and in theaters. Um, and I, I, I would love to hear your take on this movie if you see this movie. Um, have you heard of Reminiscence starring Hugh Jackman and <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson? <laughs> I've barely heard of it. I looked up like my theater listings this weekend and I'm like, what the hell is this? And I, <laughs> so I've seen the poster. I've heard critics call it a Blade Runner ripoff. And that's all I know. Oh, not just Blade Runner. Let me let me list the things it's a ripoff of. Okay. Blade Runner, Dark City, uh, The Matrix, um, Strange Days from 1985. Uh, what else? Uh, <laughs> it's so many movies in one movie there's stuff i'm forgetting about i'm sure but um i'm gonna it's like i'm talking about this movie right away but this is the kind of movie where i don't know how i feel about it right now it kind of feels like in a year i could back and go guys reminiscence is a underrated sci-fi classic <laughs> or it's terrible I, it's it's a weird movie that i can't believe that they someone gave uh, this woman 80 million dollars to make her name is lisa joy she's uh i think one of the main creative people behind Westworld and HBO. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. And which is a show I was really into for like the first season, maybe first two. I got out of it pretty quickly, but um it was really good and so she knows sci-fi, but this movie I don't even know where to begin with this movie. It it has so many things going on in it. Like literally it <laughs> it's like a romantic sci-fi noir action movie uh <laughs> about climate change and uh all kinds of things uh huge so there's a technology in the future where you can go relive your own past memories you can't relive other people's memories um but you can relive your own memories get in this tank they put a thing on your head <laughs> you can go back and they go back and look at your old memories um so he is kind of like selling that to people that experience to people um, he meets uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who kind of looks like the femme fatale who kind of comes into his life out of nowhere and um, asks for help. And he falls for her very quickly and she kind of vanishes. And then it's all about him trying to to find her. Um, so I was kind of into it for like the the, the beginning. I was like, this is very interesting. But um, it it just is trying to do so much stuff like there is literally I'm not kidding. Hugh Jackman narration that for the first 20, 25 minutes is still setting things up 20 minutes. He's like, by the way, there was a war. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> the cities are flooded near the coast. Oh, and he just keeps adding these extra pieces. It's like, oh, just yeah. Idea. it's like, it's a thing on top. It's a hat on top of a hat, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's like the idea of like investigating the memories would be enough, but also it's like they're in Miami and like everyone uh, rides around in boats because the streets are just full of water all day. And then there was some kind of war, which I don't understand, but it's like, I, it's, oh, it's one of those things when I'm like, there's something, cause I like big, like sci-fi swings like this, usually where it's like somebody got a bunch of money and they went for it and it's like a, a bunch of ideas, but it kind of doesn't hold together very well. And I don't know if it's as emotional as they want it to be or, the romance doesn't hit quite as hard. I mean, like I'm in the bag for Becca Ferguson. That's why kind of the reason I watched it because because I love her and Hugh Jackman's great. Tanny Newton shows up. She's she's um, I was like her, but um, it's a mess. Most people are gonna think it's a complete mess. I still don't quite know how I feel about it, um, but it's it's different. I'll say that. 
You know, it sounds kind of like real life. There's climate change and a lot of wars going on that we don't understand. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I yeah, that's a movie. It, and this when this comes out, it should still be in HBO Max for like a couple more weeks um, to watch. I mean, I think it's worth watching if it's on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, but you know, if that sounds like your kind of thing at all, but I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. I'm like, this movie is going to be forgotten about by most people and within like a month and then like i can see articles like five ten years from now being like reminiscence was a a missed cult classic you know or something so um yeah it's it's something it's something <laughs> i feel like movies this year are doing a horrible job with marketing because I, I go to the theater fairly frequently and i'm always seeing trailer for free guy for shang chi sometimes for the eternals basically anything <laughs> that's owned by disney yeah and like i've never seen a trailer for this for Don't Breathe 2, for Night House. And these are all movies that are playing in every theater around me. And no one has ever bothered to, like, <laughs> put a trailer in front of my eyes. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't. And, like, Reminiscence feels like the kind of movie, like, if they were trying to put a trailer, I don't know how they would sell it. I didn't watch a trailer for it. Um, I don't know. There's so much going on. I don't know how they would fit it all into a two-ish minute trailer. <laughs> like, And they'd probably sell it as one thing that it's not. Like, there's literally, like, one action scene that kind of comes out of nowhere like a gunfight in a bar that doesn't i mean which is kind of cool but it it feels so out of place in the movie it just it's just so many things in one movie like it's got and it's under two hours like it does not have the time this feels like it should be a 10-part hbo show instead of a two-hour movie honestly <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you right now there i think there is zero chance i'm gonna check that movie out <laughs> It Fair doesn't enough. sound like my thing unless it's like really amazing. Only reason I would have wanted your take is it because it's really trying to do a old school noir thing okay. with like Hugh Jackman like narration. He's using these tough guy lines like I can't think of it on top of my head, but it was you know stuff like this city's dirty and needs a bath or you know it's like it's, it's like the typical you know it's <laughs> a little like taxi driver in there, yeah, a little that kind of stuff. Like it's like he just has like this tough guy, hard boiled noir narration. Um, that's probably in this case more of like a crutch, like in Blade Runner, how like they used it to kind of fill in gaps because he's given you so much exposition for the first 20, 25 minutes of the movie about the world and what's going on. And it's like you would need to take notes to keep up. So it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, the noir thing is the only thing I'm just curious about. Yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, Rebecca Ferguson is great, but she's not oh, worth yeah. watching this movie for, I don't think so. Um, I don't know if it sounds even vaguely interesting. It's free on HBO Max if you have HBO Max. So I don't know. It was weird. It's weird how it's going to just disappear very quickly, I'm sure, <laughs> from everyone's mind. Um, but yeah, reminiscence. That was it was weird. Um, what else? do you have? <laughs> uh, So I just watched a movie that you actually recommended to me recently and not just you, but I've, I've heard it. I've heard praise for it in, in many different places. So I was very interested in watching it. Uh, I checked out The Empty Man. That oh. came out last year. It is a almost two and a half hour horror noir, I would call it. Like I would kind of put it in a category with like um, Angel Heart or Lord of Illusions, where it's sort of about okay. a detective investigating some kind of creepy goings on. And and the premise, it, it sounds like one of those like urban legend kind of horror movies, like say, honestly, like Candyman or like Bloody Mary or something. But the legend is... If you go to a bridge at night and you find an empty bottle and you blow into it and think about the empty man, then he will come. 
And it sounds like a very, very complicated thing to go through. Uh, <laughs> but there are some teenagers who did it and now they're disappearing. And uh, this man who used to be a cop uh, starts investigating and trying to track them down. And I just absolutely loved this movie, honestly. It is incredibly creepy. And I watch a lot of horror movies. I'm not really the easiest person to scare, but this has some really, really creepy moments in it uh, that I I thought were amazing. Uh, the performances are incredible. It's, it's just shockingly high budget. It kind of is... It's the product of the the Fox purchase that when Disney bought Fox because Fox was working on this movie and then Disney buys them. And it sounds like Fox just kind of stopped working on this movie and stopped paying attention to it. Uh, so David Pryor just got to make exactly the movie that he wanted to make. And it definitely would have gotten edited way down. In fact, I think I heard they did edit it down to like a 90 minute cut and it tested even worse than the, the than the than the two and a half hour cut did. So they're like, OK, fine, just release this thing. We don't care anymore. Um, so it's it's got a big budget. It's got great actors like no one really big that you're going to know by name, but just the kind of people that pop up in movies a lot and are always good. James Badge Dale is the lead. He's he's one of those guys that just pops up in movies all the time, like in Iron Man 3 and World War Z, 13 hours, just a lot of a lot of movies. But he's given the lead in this and he's great. And the entity of the empty man is a very, very creepy thing. But the movie's scope just grows and grows as it goes. Uh, and just like how deep this sort of empty man lore and conspiracy goes down and it also oh man it opens up with like a 25 minute prologue that's just like the greatest short film you've ever yes. seen before it actually yeah. launches into the movie proper i i man i kind of loved everything about this movie i've had conversations with some people who don't like the ending and i get it because it takes a real bizarre turn but the thing for me is the ending is creepy and that's what i wanted like i wanted this movie to sustain its scare factor and i think it really really does uh just love the empty man probably one of my favorite recent horror movies i agree with like everything you just said it's uh <laughs> it like i said yeah I, things don't usually creep me out anymore um or not nearly as much as you know for as much horror as i watch empty man really got in my skin i watched it i watch it like it like a saturday morning broad daylight <laughs> you know like Ooh. and it still creeped me out i was it wasn't like i turned the lights down it was late at night it was just like I was, you know, I was wide awake and it was bright and sunny outside. I was like, this is creeped me out, especially um, the parts where I mean, it's not really a spoiler because there's no context, but there's a part where he kind of finds a bunch of people congregating and they all yes. turn at the same time and look at him. And it's like the most chilling thing that always creeps me out. I don't know why, but like a bunch of people just turning to someone at one time. And then he, you know, it's this then like a chase scene. But um, oh, my God, it's. It's something I, like you said, it had to have been like, yeah, under the whole Fox Disney thing, things got really messed up and lost in the shuffle. And that movie got like dumped into theaters and yeah, in it the does heart feel, of the pandemic, in the heart of the pandemic, like it's crazy. And it, yeah, it does feel like nobody really gave notes or touched it because like, I'm like, they would not allow this to go out like this at two hours and 20 minutes, however long it is like the way that it is. Cause it's so weird and like slow and it, it like had had a budget behind it, which never happens. I mean, yeah, there's so many things like that's kind of a miracle that it even got out, you know, the way that it did. So um, it sucks, though. It doesn't have a Blu-ray or maybe even a DVD. It does not know. even have a DVD. Yeah. Wow. No physical release. OK, so that. Yeah, that sucks. I think it's still on HBO, um, though, which is good if you want to watch it. Um, but it's so good. It'll 
it might end up I, I almost want to do a whole show on it honestly <laughs> like do a whole episode Ooh, on it awesome um, and i probably would get like you and mark because mark's the first one that told me about it oh, um, okay because he brought up like way earlier in this year and i at the time the weird thing too was that the empty man for some reason was just bringing up like the bye-bye man thing Definitely. and the whole, the whole like yeah the slender man it was all these like and then the whole idea of like kids going to a certain spot and doing a thing and then you call him i was like well this just sounds like a bad like Bye bye. It nothing like those movies at all. Like I haven't seen Slender Man, but Bye Bye Man is terrible, <laughs> and it's not like Bye Bye Man at all. Um, it's so much creepier. It really feels like a weird, like like a Fincher horror movie or something. Like if David Fincher did a horror movie, which I found out this guy was like a protege of David Fincher, the director. Um, yeah, he worked on a lot of Fincher special features and like making of documentaries and stuff. So he really like got a got a first hand look at Fincher's process. Yeah, and it feels like that. I thought it felt like very kind of procedural in, in that way. And uh, it's a fascinating movie. And I hope people, if you think people are finding it now that it's kind of out and available um, on HBO. But um, yeah, it just died in the theater. But it's so it's so good. It's amazing. Like, yeah, it really creeped me out. Um, and I want to watch it again. <laughs> so probably probably this October, I'll be watching it again, I would imagine. <laughs> and honestly, I got to give props to uh, YouTuber Chris Stuckman because he was the first person I heard talking about this movie. And he made a great video on it and why people should check it out. And he also appeared on the Film Alchemist podcast, which is a podcast that I love and, and went pretty in depth on the movie. So he's really championing it, too. And he definitely has a huge voice to be able to prop movies up. So yeah. I really give him a yeah. lot of credit for doing that. Yeah, I like that Chris Stuckman. He seems like a nice guy. He's making a movie. <laughs> pretty cool. That's, I heard that. That's good for him. Yeah, yeah he, he's one of those guys that's like, I, I feel like most people agree that he just seems like a good dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I feel like most people, if he's that popular and that famous on YouTube, people would kind of, kind of hate him. But everyone's like, no, that guy seems cool. So, <laughs> And when he does stuff like champion the, the empty man, that's that's cool stuff. Like using his platform for like a good a good reason there. So, yeah, everyone should really watch the empty man if you've not seen it yet, because it's really great. It's something special, like for sure. Um, uh, anything else on Empty Man? Uh, no, I don't think so. Except I'll, I'll just say, if you do a podcast on this with me and Mark, you better carve out like five hours. That's going to be a <laughs> hell of a show. Oh man. Yeah. I'll have to make sure that one carve out a lot of time for that one. Clear, clear the schedule <laughs> that night. Uh, so um, I would love to, I just, I want to talk about it more cause it's, there's so much talk about in that movie. It's just, it's crazy. So, yeah, um, I would just love the excuse to watch it again, honestly. That's yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, so uh, speaking of horror, I watched a movie that finally hit shutter. Like it was supposed to be a shutter exclusive. I heard about it like months and months ago and I didn't pay to rent it or anything. And I was like, it'll be on Shutter. I'll just wait the six months. <laughs> and I was kind of disappointed. Um, I watched uh, Jacob's Wife starring Barbara Crampton, which I thought was OK. Have you seen this one? <laughs> I did. I actually did pay to rent it back uh, oh. <laughs> months ago. Um, I, I don't blame you because I was tempted as I love Barbara Crampton. And it sounded like a cool, like a good premise, you know, with basically she's the wife of this minister kind of. um the word uh she's kind of repressed i would say um and gets kind of attacked by this this vampire and kind of it you know turns into a vampire and kind of lets loose like more of like her i guess sexual side <laughs> it kind of comes out and she kind of gets her power back from that a little bit there's all that kind of stuff going on um and she's really good i think it's a great showcase for barbara crampton but i couldn't get into much else in the movie like it just kind of kind of felt dull to me and there was like they were trying to mix in some humor which was hit or miss for me um 
there was a, a surprising amount of gore. I was surprised by that. Um, and I like this director's movie that he made before this one. I think Travis Stevens is his name. And he made a movie called Girl on the Third Floor. Um, yeah, starring CM Punk, the wrestler, that I really liked. It was really weird and gooey and creepy. <laughs> it was just all this weird shit. And I feel like Jacob's wife has, like, some tonal stuff. I wasn't. It's like a horror movie, but it's trying to be funny. But I didn't think it was that funny, so it didn't quite work for me. But um, Barbara Crampton's good. Larry Fessenden plays her husband. He's good. They're they're old pros at this. They know what they're doing. So um, it just kind of it. It was okay. I just and it's on Shutter for free right now if you have Shutter. But um, I don't know. I I wasn't super into it. What what did you think of it? So I, I do think I brought some personal baggage into it because I've kind of I've, I mentioned in passing sometimes on my podcast and such that I I grew up in a very religious household like Southern Baptist. And um, so I love the first act of this movie when it's just kind of social commentary about that culture, mm-hmm. because like I'm not I'm not an angry person. Like I'm really not. I'm a happy person, but I do have a good bit of resentment towards that whole Southern Baptist American Christianity culture. And I liked when the movie was just kind of taking that on. And Barbara Crampton was this pastor's wife who's feeling very repressed and and wants to break out of that. And uh, and I loved all that. And then when the horror stuff is introduced, the horror stuff is so goofy and like Evil Dead 2 style. And the, the tones really don't work for yeah. me. And like I and the movie kind of forgets to to keep that social commentary going and it just kind of drops it. And I will say like, there's, um, there's a sex scene about halfway through the movie where you feel like the movie's really taken an unexpected turn. And I thought, Oh wow, like this is interesting. Where's it going to go from here? And it doesn't really go anywhere. Interesting from there. Um, it just continues not really discussing anything interesting and just having really goofy, really overly gory horror. Like, I'm not a big fan of where I feel like vampires are in movies right now. I feel like vampires are being used a little too bit too much for splatter. And they're kind of like a zombie fill in at this point where like I, I would kind of rather watch like a vampire have an interesting conversation with somebody and then sneak in their window at night and sexually bite them. Like that's kind of, <laughs> that's what I want to watch more. Like I want to yeah. see a little more Frank Langella, a little less 30 days of night, I guess. Um, <laughs> Or Evil Dead 2. Uh, so yeah, the, you're right about the tonal stuff. The tonal stuff does not work for me. But I'm really glad it was made. And I'm really glad I watched it. Because it's such a great showcase for Barbara Crampton. Like she is yeah. the thing that works throughout. Even when I think the movie kind of fails her. Yeah, that's, I mean, I feel the same way. And then I'm always happy for Barbara Crampton. Because she just seems like a great person. And I just love her as an actress. And uh, I mean, she's good. I mean, it's great that she got to star in this. I mean, she's good in it. Like, so it. But yeah, the movie itself is just like doesn't quite know what it wants to do or what it wants to be. And it's yeah, it was it was trying to throw all these like things at me. And like I was surprisingly kind of like numb to most of it. I thought I really thought it was kind of dull in parts where it kind of just kind of just it kind of floats along. And I don't know. It was weird. I just didn't. It's not what I the movie I expected. And it was not as uh, fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so um yeah, it it it's trying to do too many things, I think. So um kind of let it wait till Shudder. But <laughs> it's it was one of those things too when they sometimes like Shudder bought this movie months ago, but then it's not exclusive. And I sit here and I just know it's gonna be up there and I'm like, just wait, don't pay for it. <laughs> so, um I'm like, come on, it's just I feel like I waited for months to watch this. Might have been expectations were built up, which I shouldn't have built up 
expectations for this low budget horror movie, but I did for some reason. No, <laughs> so, I don't blame you at all. A lot of people love this movie and have been really been championing it. Yeah, that's I heard positive stuff at first, and um, yeah, I I can almost see it playing better with a crowd. It actually itself. did play theatrically near me, but I still oh. wasn't totally comfortable playing uh, going to a theater at that time. So I, I didn't go. That's understandable. Yeah, I, I didn't know it ever played anywhere theatrically. It's, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's OK. It's not it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Also, it did not help that I watched it the same day, literally right after I watched I rewatched Crimson Tide. And then I watched. Oh, Light. shit. <laughs> Just so unfair. So unfair to any movie to follow up, you know, Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington acting their asses off and then to watch any movie after that <laughs> and oh man so good but um that was a little unfair so <laughs> yeah, um, man, movies just used to be like movies back in like 1996 you know like big slick hollywood <laughs> productions super yeah. well done yeah and that's the thing yeah i hate to compare the two it's so unfair because like tony scott making a big budget movie with jerry bruckheimer for a studio versus a tiny indie horror movie are like on different planets either they might as well exist in different worlds so it's like to watch what he was doing and the score and how he's moving the camera and then like to see it was almost like the the low budget shined through in a bad way for that movie sure, it's yeah like they just can't do certain things and um and i hate trying to compare those movies they're on different worlds but it was just one of those things where it was such a stark contrast to follow up crimson tide with that movie and uh, that might have not helped honestly I'm, I'm but yeah it was just interesting where it's like yeah i miss when movies were movies too i'm with you <laughs> but so. honestly like even if you just compare jacob's wife to vampire movies that came out in the 90s like put put it next to interview with the vampire like yeah. interview with the vampire is not the greatest movie in the world but it's such a big gorgeous production with great actors and great sets and we don't really i don't know we don't get a lot of stuff like that anymore no, we don't. It's like, yeah, it just feels like there's some there's a lot of craft that's been lost. Um, and maybe it's my imagination. I don't know. It feels like something to do with the streaming movies. I don't know what feels different. It just feels like something has has changed and uh, the movies don't feel quite as uh, cinematic as they used to for the most part. Not I mean, every once in a while one comes along. I'm like, oh, this is great. But um they just feel different, if that makes any sense to anybody. But it's just something something is different and I don't I don't care for it. Yeah, I know. I, I totally hear you, man. So. Um, so, yeah, that was Jacob's wife. Um, did you have another one? Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with something a little bit older. And it's because our our mutual friend, Lindsay, kind of convinced me to start going on a Wes Craven kick. OK, because Wes Craven is one of the horror the big horror guys that I've not really made a, a, a big effort to dig into. Like I've really made a, an effort to like watch all the movies by John Carpenter and Toby Hooper and David Cronenberg, but I've never really done that with Craven. So I've seen the big ones and I hadn't seen a lot of his smaller movies. Um, and one of my favorites that I just watched is uh, I watched it partly because it just got announced for a Scream Factory release and I wanted to like see if it was worth picking up. And it's oh, Deadly God. Friend from 1986. <laughs> yes. Man. <laughs> I had very tempered expectations going into Deadly Friend. Okay, Fair I was enough, not expecting yeah. a Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I I was expecting real B level Wes Craven, and that's what I got. But it's so much fun. Like I just really enjoyed that living hell out of it, and it was exactly the movie I was in the mood for because I'm very hyped up for fall right around the corner and for the Halloween season. 
And uh, Deadly Friend very much has like a fall atmosphere. It takes place in 80s suburbia about teenagers. There is an actual Halloween sequence. They're carving pumpkins. They go trick-or-treating. It's exactly the movie that I wanted. And um, if anybody doesn't know what it's about, it's about this ridiculously smart, genius teenage boy and his mom who move into a town. And uh, he has a robot that he built himself, this robot friend. And he meets a girl played by Christy Swanson who lives next door and he falls for her pretty quickly and they start this cute little romance. Uh, but she is a very abusive father and uh, and she becomes the victim of a, his drunken rampage and passes away. Uh, but the boy implants his robot's brain into her brain in a completely insane <laughs> surgery sequence where like you see oh. him opening up her head, you see her brain in there and he just kind of puts the chip on top of her brain and then closes her head back up. <laughs> so she's back to life and she kind of goes on a murderous rampage. Uh, I just thought it was fun as hell. Like I really enjoyed it for all of its insanity. And afterwards, I listened to the Craven Craven episode on it, which is terrific. So it was all around a really good experience. I'm glad you had fun with it. I, uh, I'm i kind of similar on Deadly Friend where I didn't expect much from it. I watched it like last year for the first time. Um, I'll never forget, I was house-sitting for somebody who didn't have cable, uh, didn't have internet, only had uh, a DVD player. So I brought a bunch of DVDs over to the house for the week. And like DVDs I had not watched that I still had like, oh, I have DVDs I haven't watched. And Deadly Friend was one of these DVDs that I randomly had. And uh, I had a blast watching that movie. I remember like just, you know, a lot of like uh, moments where I was like hands on my head, like, holy shit, what is this crazy movie? <laughs> like um, there's a basketball scene, which I'm sure people might know about. Oh, it's man, pretty amazing. I, yeah, I'd seen that gif before, but it's <laughs> the still glorious. Is, yeah, it's amazing to see it in the movie is still like, holy shit. And I... I love that robot, BB, that yellow robot. Oh, my God. I, for some reason, was like, I love this robot. And I was very upset at something that happens to that robot. <laughs> like, um, I was like, no, BB. <laughs> like, no, why got so attached to that goofy-looking robot? But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's such a weird kind of movie. I don't know if I can say it's a good movie, but it's a super fun movie. It's, like, it's a blast. I'm excited for that Screen Factory Blu-ray. I'm definitely going to pick that up. Me too, man. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm glad you had fun with it. That's the way to approach Deadly Friend is like you're just going to go watch a really fun, like kind of goofy movie. Um, but it's yeah, I don't think you take it too seriously is, is the thing. <laughs> just just enjoy Deadly Friend. Yeah, like oh. if you if you like goofy teen horror that takes place in suburbia, this is a great option. Go for it. Yeah. Yes. Deadly Friend. Is, <laughs> we both recommend Deadly Friend. <laughs> <laughs> but time. not Jacob's wife. But not Jacob's wife. <laughs> Sorry, Barbara Cranston. <laughs> People are going to think we have terrible taste. Oh, possibly. If they haven't thought about me already, then I don't know what to say. So I'm just like giving, them, giving them the ammo. Um, okay, Deadly Friend. Yeah, that's it's a fun one. I'm glad it's getting a, um, a Blu-ray. I did not think that would happen, honestly. Even though it's Wes Craven, I was like, I don't know why I didn't think about it getting a Blu-ray release, but God bless you, Scream Factory. <laughs> so. They're doing a lot of Wes Craven movies, which I saw you posted recently about how you want a Blu-ray of Red Eye, and I feel like it's probably around the corner for Scream Factory because they're really I... doing a lot of Craven. Yeah, I almost kind of wrote that at some on the someone asked about not having a Blu-ray. And I said, uh, I think Screen Factory may do it because it's Wes Craven. I don't know what studio it was through that he made the movie or the rights or any of that kind of stuff. But it seems like it would fit. I mean, it's it's a thriller more than a horror movie. But um, yeah, Red Eye. Yeah, they can do that. That's, <laughs> um, Red Eye is is a really fun thriller. People don't see Red Eye. It's it's really good. Um, and let me see here. So I'm just like, I have like three things left to talk about. Um and okay, this is one of the weirdest things 
I've ever seen. This, I, it's a movie, but it's, I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> it is a movie. You it can, is can a movie. say that for it. I'm going to put that out there. It's a movie, but it, it is a movie called Final Cut. Uh, I don't know if even Final Cut, colon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, so this movie is basically a movie made from other movies. So therefore, <laughs> there is no way to watch this thing except on YouTube because it's never going to get a release because it's literally somebody edited this thing together where they're trying to tell like a very simple love story, basically. But they're using they use over 400 clips, I believe, from other movies to make this thing. So if they start off the movie, they start off the movie with like a man getting a bed and they show you different scenes from different movies throughout all decades of scenes of guys getting out of bed. And then go into in the bathroom to get ready for the day. And it's just constantly cutting between these different scenes from different movies you've probably seen a bunch of. And making a movie out of making a story out of it um, that actually kind of works. It's kind of a, like an amazing piece of, of editing and creativity to cobble all these clips together. Like hundreds of clips and make it somewhat coherent. Um me trying to describe it is probably not doing the best job, but um, I, I'd heard about it. I don't even heard about it, um, but it was on my list. And I was like, oh, this sounds like an insane experiment. I should find this. And it's on YouTube because, like I said, it will never, ever, ever get a release from anybody because there's it's just not possible. There's no way it's happening. So <laughs> you'd have to watch it on YouTube. Um, kind of. Yeah, I mean, the description just says. uh a film where anything can happen. The hero and heroine change their faces, age, look, names, and so on. The only thing, the love between a man and a woman in a archetypal love story cut from, oh, I'm sorry, 500 classic films from all around the world. So you may see a clip from Casablanca and then immediately cut to a clip from uh, Basic Instinct. And they're just like cutting, or then cut to like The Godfather. They're just cutting all these little clips in. So they're kind of making it work in a way that goes through and sets up a very simple story. And it's not like completely successful, but it's so it's so interesting and so weird. <laughs> it's like if you love movies, I feel like you should just check it out because it's it's fascinating. Weird. I was trying to look it up on Letterboxd and there are so many movies called Final Cut. But I finally <laughs> found Final Cut, colon, ladies and gentlemen, looks like from 2012. Uh, OK, yeah. I'm just so curious. Why did you watch this? Because for some reason it was on. It got on my radar because I have this like I, I joked about this recently with like, Lindsay, I think, or somebody where I have this insane IMDb watch list of like 1800 movies I've just added throughout the years <laughs> where I'm like, I hear about something. I just go add to watch list. OK, And because <laughs> I've been keeping it for like 10 years or something like uh -huh. and I'll listen to podcasts. If a podcast mentions a movie and I go, OK, cool. Sound, I go add to watch list. And so it just continually builds and builds and builds. And I, I don't really I can't really clear it out because so many movies even though i try it's like nope still like 1800 movies on there um so it's just this running list of things so occasionally i'll go to imdb go to my watch list and like filter it different ways and kind of like look at i don't know like imdb ratings from best to worst or something and kind of go through like what do i want to watch off the watch list and this came up again it's it's near the top i think it's like super it's pretty well rated i think it's like an eight on imdb so i got to it and i was like Oh, yeah, this weird, <laughs> this weird movie that's like made from other movies. Um, maybe I should watch that today. And I threw it on on YouTube and just watched it that way. And it was interesting. I don't know if I could even say 
it's a good movie. It's more like a fascinating experiment, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, I mean, it makes sense you watched it on YouTube because it sounds like a YouTube video. <laughs> it sounds like just a clip show. Yeah, that's the weird thing. It's like, but they put, it's weird. It sounds like a clip show, but they put craft into it because some of the edits are kind of like, you know, most edits are thought out pretty well. So it's like, there's the, the, the example I'm thinking of is like, they do a quick, a thing of like Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct, the famous like leg scene, uncrossing scene, and then it cuts to Anthony Perkins and Psycho, the last shot of Psycho with him kind of looking kind of, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, that kind of it's stuff. Perving so, out. <laughs> yeah, perving out a little bit. So they kind of cut it like that. So it's like somebody says hi to someone and then they cut to another movie where someone would say hi back. But it's it's, you know, it's just cutting uh, kind of all these things together and trying to make it coherent. That's why it's not entirely successful, but it's, I mean, it is fascinating. Plus you'll be happy because you're watching like clips from like hundreds of classic movies, you know, it's like, and you can't get bored because you're like, what clip will they show next? And it's like so rapid fire that, um, that it kind of just flies by. So I give them credit. I think it was like, it looked like it was like a team of guys in like Russia or somewhere who like masterminded this thing and put it together um and let me see here oh no the guys from hungary budapest hungary okay. so a bunch of hungarian people i guess got together <laughs> and and like edited this thing together and it's kind of like a love letter to movies in a way too i mean just that they could make a kind of a simple story a simple love story out of existing movies i mean it's like i said i it's weird i just thought it was very interesting to put on people's radar because it's one of those things where you'll watch it and just kind of go well this is a weird experiment that i've never seen before <laughs> interesting i like the the top review on letterbox which is too many plot holes and continuity errors to name and completely unrealistic great cast though <laughs> it's pretty good i mean yeah it's uh, a lot of familiar faces so <laughs> every movie star ever i think maybe pops up this one <laughs> so um yeah it's it's uh it's something i'll say that. all right cool um so yeah that was final cut um from 2012 people can't find it. it's final cut ladies and gentlemen from 2012 if you're looking for it um so yeah i, I wouldn't know how to even rate something like this too it's so singular and so different than you've ever seen <laughs> so yeah yeah that was that um did you have anything else you want to talk about yeah, I can, I can talk about another one. Um, so a couple of nights ago, I just rewatched uh, what I believe is Joe Dante's last movie, Bearing the X from 2014. Okay, I still have not seen this. I think it oh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So it, so it came out ago. in 2014, which is now seven years ago, and I don't think I'd seen it since then, but I remembered really enjoying it. Uh, it's about a horror nerd who works in what seems to be an all-year Halloween store. Um, whose girlfriend passes away. She gets hit by a truck, basically. And uh, but then she comes back from the dead as like a zombie, but not a traditional zombie, like a zombie that still has her own brain, except she's kind of crazy. And he's <laughs> met this new girl that he wants to be with. But his zombie, his new his dead ex-girlfriend is now ruining his life. And um, I remember having a lot of fun with it. I had less fun with it now because oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's weird that it's made by Joe Dante, such an old guy, because it feels like a movie for very, very young men who don't really, I'll, I guess I'll say, know anything about women. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> basically, what the women are like in this movie is you've got his ex-girlfriend 
who is a crazy vegan girl who wants to control everything about his life. And if he even speaks to a different woman, she'll call them a skank. So you've got crazy over here. And then you've got the new girl that he meets, who's basically the symbol of complete perfection, who's basically begging to have sex with him and is super hot and is interested in everything that he's interested in. So she's like the horror pixie dream girl, uh, pretty much, <laughs> who's, who's played by Alexandra Daddario, by the way. Uh, oh. And the other cast members, by the way, the lead is Anton Yelchin, uh, rest in peace. And the ex-girlfriend is Ashley Green, who you might have seen in the Twilight movies or in Scott Adkins' uh, Accident Man. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, really stupid. I don't know any other way to say it. Like, I enjoyed it back in the day because like, ooh, it's he's a horror nerd like me. And there's a Halloween store and he meets a cool horror girl. But then you, you see it now and it's deeply deeply immature and and dumb but it's still like kind of entertaining like i wasn't i wasn't mad at it as it's on <laughs> so like if you just want the dumbest wish fulfillment for a geeky horror nerd i guess you can watch this but it's you know oh. not joe dante's finest hour certainly yeah that's i kind of what i heard i, I kind of want to watch it to be like a joe dante completionist because i've i've actually seen most of his movies at this point um that's not one of them but um but i, I thought i heard people kind of saying it was underrated, but I've, I've heard bad things too. So I, again, like Rebecca Ferguson, Alexandria Dario is someone I would probably watch in a lot of movies, although she stars in a lot of bad movies. I don't know. Almost like who, exclusively. Almost exclusively. <laughs> she, I don't know who her agent is, but she's got to fire that person. Um, they, She's in a movie that I almost watched, even though the trailer looked god-awful, called like Die in a Gunfight that she's in. It came out this okay. year it looks like the worst movie <laughs> of the year. I was like, oh my God, Alexander, what are you doing? Like, um, just, yeah, that that girl. I mean, she keeps getting work, but she's usually in bad movies. And <laughs> I like Anton Yelchin. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, it was on my radar to watch at some point just because it's a Joe Dante movie, but um, it might get pushed back farther now. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, well, that's disappointing. I hate when I revisit something and it gets worse. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the worst feeling. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> Like, why did I, why did I, uh, do this to myself? So, um, okay. Well, I'm sure one day I'll, I'll get around to it. Cause I think I've only like three of his movies I haven't seen at this point, And that's one of them. So I feel like I'll just have to watch it at some point. <laughs> so it's basically like, if you're in the mood for a really dumb sitcom, that's basically like a, how I met your mother ripoff where the only jokes are about sex, but you also want to see some horror and Halloweeny stuff. This is the movie. That sounds like a mood I've never in. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very specific move. I don't know. That's, uh, oh boy. I don't know. Uh, one day, one day, maybe if I'm really tired and drunk or something, I don't know <laughs> what circumstances I'll be scrolling like, yeah, burying the X, Joe Dante, Alexander Dario. Oh no, I've made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll let you know when I actually watch it, when I think of it. <laughs> so, uh, that would be um, uh, okay. I only have two more things. Uh, and yeah, one, I know you, Okay. <laughs> One I know you watched, um, and I think you've been kind of hinting at you didn't like it for a while. So I'm very curious. I talked to you about it. I finally watched on Paramount Plus A Quiet Place Part Two. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this movie that I was so excited for, um, you know, it, it was the one I think that got pushed back, like, right the, when the pandemic started. It was like the first movie to go down, I think, because it was oh, okay. coming out like two weeks later. So I've been waiting for a very long time. I was ready to go see it. I love the first Quiet Place. Um, and then it came out in theaters kind of when things were on ease up earlier this year. 
and I didn't get out to see it. I think my desire kind of died down. And then plus I heard it was going to be on uh, Paramount Plus. And I finally watched it. And it kind of felt like I didn't want to do it at that point. <laughs> and I didn't really like it. I thought it was, again, like, okay. And the, like, the stuff that's, you know, it's, there's some parts that are, like, really well done, very tense. Uh, I think the opening's really good. They kind of show, it's the opening the movie, it's not really a spoiler. The opening is kind of, like, right before the alien invasion or right when the aliens kind of show up. And it's, I thought that part was really great actually um and then it kind of goes through <laughs> like this whole this whole thing and it's mostly just a lot of like kind of set pieces of them avoiding the aliens and uh, i hate being stuck on this but the way that it ends i thought no no this cannot be the end of this movie <laughs> like could not believe where they ended the movie because it felt like there should be like 30 to 45 minutes left and it just stops and it 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 i got so stuck on that that i think it kind of soured me on the whole movie um but yeah i so i was disappointed in quiet place part two what, what did you think of it uh pretty much the same boat i thought okay. it was deeply mediocre um and a disappointing follow-up to the first one because i love how the first one ends because it ends in a way that tells you, all right, we're done hiding. We're going to go to battle with these bastards. Uh, and it ends with Emily Blunt pointing a shotgun and you're just like fist pumping. And you're like, hell yeah. And this is the exact same movie over again. Like it's just another tense, kind of tension filled, quiet movie about sneaking around, trying to avoid the monsters. And I kind of wanted an aliens to alien. Like I mm. wanted this story to move forward and like humanity to try to take the earth back and like fight these monsters. It doesn't really do that. I also, I saw, I saw somebody online. I don't remember if it was a letterbox review or a tweet. And it was basically like, why do these people want to live? <laughs> and I'm kind of feeling like that where I'm like, yeah. John Krasinski, you made this world too horrible that there's like no reason to go forward. Like at right. least in the walking dead, they can like form towns and they can like live their lives until the zombies show up or something. But this life, this world is like way too hopeless. And like, I don't know why Killian Murphy is, is like hiding in a, in a giant safe. Like, I don't know what he's living for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then not long after I watched this movie, I watched The Tomorrow War and The Tomorrow War is exactly the sequel to A Quiet Place that I wanted, where like it has very similar monsters in it, but it's aliens. It's like an action movie about fighting these monsters. And I was like, I feel like a great double feature will be A Quiet Place and The Tomorrow War, not A Quiet Place 1 and 2. <laughs> Interesting. I still need to watch Tomorrow War. Um, it always gets pushed back because it's on Amazon Prime and it's an Amazon Prime exclusive. And I'm like, it'll be there, you know, <laughs> um, there's no urgency. But no, you recommended it. And I Carmelita, somebody else kind of had good things to say recently. And I was like, OK, I should watch Tomorrow War. But um, yeah, it doesn't do Quiet Place 2. Oh, God, I don't I don't get this uh, frustrated. It does nothing. I feel like to advance anything. Nothing. Yeah. It's and insane. Also <laughs> I was wondering, like, did John Krasinski and Emily Blunt have a fight after this movie about how little he gave her to do? Because she has, like, nothing to do in this movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I love Emily Blunt. And she's somebody who you give her stuff to do because she's pretty awesome, pretty badass. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe the story was more toward these kids have to learn how to fight for the future type. You know what I mean? That's kind of where uh, it almost felt like it was headed i don't want to say too much it's kind of hard to talk around it because um 
but yeah, it kind of felt like we're trying to set up like, okay, the kids got to learn how to fight now. Um, which again, I'm with you. I, I think it was a letterbox review where somebody was like, why do they want to live so much? <laughs> <laughs> or I'm like, yeah, why do you want to live so much? And you know, it's, oh my God, it's just kind of frustrating. Cause it's, it does nothing to advance anything. It ends on a, I thought a terrible note where I'm like, this is bananas that he stopped this movie here. <laughs> and, um, and oh, I want to talk about, We'll talk about it off mic because it's a huge spoiler. But there's one thing that happens where, you know, it kind of thought we were going a certain place and things kind of get uh, thrown for a loop, I guess. I don't know, I'm trying to talk around it, but I'll, I'll bring it to you afterwards. But, um, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's like one of those movies. It's like, why did you make this? Or was he just making it as a bridge to a third movie? Because it kind of feels like it's very much a middle piece of like a trilogy or something. But he stops it to too short <laughs> you know yeah well it's got to be a trilogy there's a third one coming okay that's I not directed know. by john krasinski though oh interesting okay um all right yeah i i don't know i mean i'm sure also i, I could play about the part two and i'm sure i'll still i'll sleep i'll see part three but um hopefully uh they do something different next time i i don't know um it's yeah it's frustrating it's a frustrating movie <laughs> so great prologue though i like the very beginning yeah that's why yeah, the prologue i thought was fantastic i thought it was really great but um after that it kind of really started losing me so um so yeah so yeah quiet place part two disappointing and last thing i'll bring up is uh, a movie that our mutual friend mike scott has been and a lot of people actually we were talking about for a very long time that uh i feel bad i waited on but it did hit netflix finally so i watched it which is called the paper tigers um which is basically about three kind of middle-aged men who all uh, did martial arts when they were younger together, had the same sensei, the same master. Um, and they don't really, three of them don't really talk or hang out anymore, but they find out their sensei has been killed. That kind of brings them back together and trying to find his uh, murderer, basically. And it's these <laughs> three guys um, who just like, you know, things I don't, their lives have gone different ways and you know, they, there's some tension between two guys in the group and you know, there's all this stuff when they come back together and it's, it's a martial arts comedy, which I feel like we don't get a lot of these days. And, but I thought it was genuinely really funny and probably one of the most like heartfelt genuine movies I've watched this whole year. Honestly, like I really, really liked it. Um, It's not perfect. It has some flaws, but it's like, I just felt like it got by so much on, just like heart and emotion and kind of like a feel good type movie. Um, and how the martial arts was well done. You almost think they would like, you know, if it's a comedy, more comedic, they might not do as great a job, but I thought the martial arts was good. Somebody pointed out that it is tough too, because they have early scenes where these guys have not done martial arts in like forever. And they're trying to fight people again and they have to be rusty and old and slow. And to choreograph that is like a whole different set of skills where you have to make it look, bad you know these guys can do martial arts so it's like a whole kind of thing but um yeah i mean i don't know i it's it's on netflix like i said very easily accessible now um and yeah i really really liked it um so i'm glad mike recommended that one to me uh i saw it okay um <laughs> oh no i didn't mean bad. to put you I've on the spot so, here <laughs> i've been so negative on this podcast no this movie's kind of a landmine so i don't want to say too much but it's kind of like this and Psycho Goreman are the two movies this year that it seems like everybody loves except for me. So I'll I'll gladly acknowledge being wrong on this one, maybe. But my main issue with this, 
is I felt like the characters in this movie earn absolutely nothing. And that like the movie starts out with them being terrible at martial arts. And like there's a joke that they can't even run down an alleyway because they're so out of shape and they like fall over and are panting. They can't even chase somebody. And they never train for a second in this movie. <laughs> they never train once. And by the end of the movie, they beat this guy who's like Bruce Lee meets Tony Jaa. Like they made this guy the baddest badass in the universe. And they beat him, even though like a couple of days ago, they couldn't even run down an alleyway and they barely beat some street punks and they never train. And that just like really bothered me. And I couldn't get past it. That's, I said it, I said it had flaws and you're <laughs> I did I imagine a training montage where they went through and trained to get better because I thought... I'm like positive there's no training montage because I was so stuck on it through the whole movie. OK, I trust you. I trust you. I uh, I must have just let that kind of go by me because I liked the movie and the vibe of it so much that I, I thought it was like just this feel good thing. And like I could see I could definitely see getting stuck on that kind of stuff if. I mean, it wasn't working as well for you. And like, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I, it, I just had a good time with it and I was surprised by it. Cause I didn't know what to expect really. I don't think I even watched the trailer. I just kind of went off everybody's kind of recommendations and uh, yeah, no, I, I <laughs> now I got to go back and watch it again <laughs> and like, Oh, they didn't train. They just beat. I did think it was fairly unrealistic about how it ends up you know, kind of how it goes with like them being able to beat certain people. But um, it almost like that was one of those things where if I was having a worse time with the movie, I would have been more upset about it. But I think I was having such a good time with the movie and the characters that I let it slide, basically. <laughs> sure. So. Let me just say real quick, Mike Scott, let's still be friends. <laughs> and like, Mike, remember how many action movies this year you didn't like? This is just one for me. <laughs> this is you. this is mine now. um yeah no that's understandable i mean it's it, and comedy subjective and all these things and like yeah if you don't if you're not super into a movie then like those little those details kind of can bother you more i've been there plenty of times where people love something i'm like guys but this doesn't make sense you know so um no you're that's totally valid i uh i'm sure i'm gonna watch it again before the end of the year because uh it, it honestly i was thinking that it may be in my top 10 or honorable mentions at least because i had so much i liked it but uh i'm gonna look for that training montage now i'm gonna see if they didn't train at all <laughs> <laughs> really thought they trained i'm so oh man but um interesting sorry i mean you put you on the spot there and have to call no, that's out okay man so, that's um right. that's okay i mean you can't like every movie i mean it's you know it's like <laughs> that's what i always say yeah. like sometimes you hear people podcast and every time they don't like a movie someone else likes they're always like oh i should rewatch it but the reality is like you just can't like every movie and that's okay you don't have yeah. to rewatch everything you don't like. <laughs> I would never watch anything new if I rewatched everything I didn't like. It could be very <laughs> busy. Um, and uh, oh, also, last thing I'll say is I rewatched Goodfellas last weekend, and it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> oh, one of the best movies ever made. One of the best movies ever made. I was like, oh, fucking great movie. <laughs> like, it was a Sunday <laughs> night. And I was eating dinner, and I was like, what do I want to watch? I was like, I don't want to put on something new. I was like, oh, Goodfellas and HBO. Sure, Goodfellas, still great. Uh, my roommate came down, and like he was like i don't know what he's even doing but he got he just sat down and started watching goodfellas with me <laughs> he's like oh shit you're watching goodfellas and then end up watching the whole movie with me <laughs> oh, so it's such a yeah you can't tear yourself away if you see a minute of that movie oh it's crazy it's like completely hypnotic the way that it's shot and edited everything about it is like i'm like when i watch i'm like this is the perfect movie it's how all movies should be like this 
So, oh, yeah, Goodfellas, still great. Hot take, everybody. Goodfellas, still great. <laughs> I was talking to a friend about this recently. Isn't it weird that Ray Liotta never worked with Scorsese again? And Scorsese works with actors like over and over again a lot. Yeah, I, so I, was, I was thinking that after I watched Goodfellas, I'm like, like Ray Liotta had success after that, obviously. And I, I still yeah. think he's a good actor, but I feel like he should have been huge after Goodfellas. Like, and maybe I'm, I was younger at that time. I don't remember exactly what he did after to follow that up, but it is weird. They never worked together again. Was there some kind of falling out? I never heard about anything like that. I don't know. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is I think Ray Liotta is not a terribly versatile actor. And maybe right. he was like, well, I got the Ray Liotta persona. I don't need it a second time. So I don't know. Yeah, because I'm watching Goodfellas. And I'm like, oh, my God, Ray Liotta is like such an amazing actor. Oh, man, he's amazing in that movie. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And he follows it up with like, I'm looking at his IMDb. It's like nothing that amazing comes after. be Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He's definitely playing a Ray Liotta type in, in <laughs> I was still in the 90s. I was like, oh, Copland. He's getting Copland. And then, <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. He must have a bad agent or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, Alexander Daddario's agent. Yeah, they share the same agent. <laughs> um, but no, I like when he shows up at stuff now. I think it's like, oh, Ray Liotta's here. Great. Um, Yeah. I'm actually, I'm going to, speaking of Hubie Halloween, I'm excited to rewatch Hubie Halloween this October. <laughs> Because I really like Hubie Halloween. <laughs> it's it, I'm not saying there's going to be a whole show on it, but it's going to come up on Cobwebs in October. Oh. That's all I'll say. Very exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, could not believe how much I enjoyed Hubie Halloween last October. Was blown away by that movie. <laughs> like, not blown away like it was an amazing movie, but like that I liked it as much as I did. And um, man, yeah, I don't know. That movie, I thought it was going to be absolutely horrible. And I was like, oh, I really like Hubie Halloween. <laughs> I mean, it's basically one of those dumb Christmas comedies like Christmas with the Cranks or something, except the Halloween version. And I kind of want more of that, to be honest. That's a good, yes, good point. I do want more of that. And it's so it has that Halloween atmosphere that I want of like, I'm not talking about like spooky or scary. I'm just saying like a town at Halloween with Halloween decorations and, you know, costume parties, all that stuff. I'm like, that's where I want to live. That's exactly like give me a double feature of fun size and Hubie Halloween. And yes. I'm in business. Um, I want more of those. I think we agree on that for sure. We want more fun like Halloween. Yeah. Fun size is another movie. I was like surprised by how much I liked it. And I watched it last October. and I was like, Jesus, fun size is so much fun. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a blast. I might do a double of those <laughs> this October. Absolutely. This is such, this podcast is such an indictment of my bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> no no i think i think you're fine i think you're fine All right, cool. <laughs> a man of many tastes um but uh well this was fun i am glad you did this with me i'm glad we had stuff to talk about and uh hope people like us talking about random movies that we've seen yeah absolutely so all right well yeah i'm gonna wrap it up i will let you um if you want to go ahead and plug plug your stuff people can follow you the podcast all that stuff <laughs> Sure, yeah, you can find the Cobwebs podcast on all podcast apps. I think by now there should be an episode posted of uh, Matt and I talking about uh, a 1960s war movie, so you can check that out. Um, follow me on Twitter at Upler Daniel, and you can follow the show at Cobwebs Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, fantastic. I hope people enjoy that Cobwebs episode. I'm excited about it. So Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and for our stuff, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at MattPlay87. You can follow the podcast at... Uh, film feast pod um and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at film feast all one word um thanks everybody and we'll see you next time <laughs>